You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is up, everybody? Thanks for being here. This is the Coast to Coast Podcast from InsideCarolina.com. We're brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. Thanks for being a part of the show. We appreciate you being here. Appreciate you subscribing. If you have not subscribed, go ahead and remedy that now. Fix it for me. Hammer that subscribe button. We hope that you appreciate all the content that Inside Carolina deals out to you. And we appreciate you listening to us. I know I say appreciate a lot, but I really do. I think we we like our listeners. We like our viewers. We like the folks that makes this community what it is. And when things suck, you need people to lean on. And that's why we're glad you guys are here. And I've got two guys here that we can lean on right now. Sean Moran and Sherelle McMillan. Sean, how are you, dude? <laughs> Don't uh, laugh. Say something positive. I'm, I'm, my, my son is currently asleep, so there you I'm, go. I'm happy about that. Big wins, big wins. I told, I told the guys before we started the show tonight that I'm, I'm, I'm mattering devil's house cat right now, so I'm hoping that, that somebody can pick me up a little bit. Sherelle, how you living, dude? My daughters are asleep, so I'm doing well also. Man, well, hopefully my, uh, my two will be uh, <laughs> visiting the Sandman relatively soon. And something else that visited the Sandman today, likely North Carolina's postseason hopes uh, as they lost on the road at NC State, 77 to 69. Uh, the Tar Heels, you know, we've been talking about the lack of consistency all season. And I think today what we saw was they have a consistent recipe. They like to play in games like this. They have a lead in the second half, sometimes in the late first half. They never have a chance to extend it. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden things go away really quickly. And when adversity comes, uh, the team kind of caves a little bit. And what we saw today, Tariels led 54 to 48. And then blink of an eye, they had four straight possessions. I think four straight possessions where they did nothing. And NC State scored seven or nine in a row. And that was all she wrote. I'll give you guys some quick stats before we, we dive into your, your analysis and thoughts you have on the game. North Carolina out-rebound on NC State, uh, 48 to 34, including an 18 to 10 offensive rebound advantage. Uh, they did not. Passed the ball very well today. Again, seven assists. That makes 13 combined for the last two games. Did not do very well on defense, only forcing three turnovers from NC State, and I think only one of those was forced. Uh, Just a really, really sideways game. The Tar Heels did shoot a little better from beyond the arc, but allowed NC State to shoot 45% from the field while only shooting 35 themselves. And Sherelle, it's weird. I'm sitting here looking at the stats, man. The box score, I've got North Carolina shooting 24 free throws to NC State's 10. But I thought that was like a big deal. I thought that was like, you know, get your torches and pitchforks if North Carolina shoots that many free throws. It's weird. I don't hear anybody complaining about that today. How does that work? I guess it only works when the other team loses. Oh, okay. I got you. I, I see what you're talking about now. 
Fellas, I want to come to you first, Sean. What did you see today from the Tar Heels that you feel like, I, I guess, kind of doomed them? Uh, while it, you know, it may have been more of the same, did you think see anything new today that that was just something they could not rebound from? Well, I think in, in the in the first half, I know we'll, we'll focus on the second half, and especially when they when they went up six and and you had a quiet crowd and NC State teetering, and they they just were given the knockout punch to deliver and just couldn't do it. But even in the first half, uh, from offensive perspective, it was it was pretty sluggish. First possession was a was a turnover. Uh, and it, it just goes, I think, in general to the lack of attention, uh, lack, to, lack of detail that the team has shown throughout the year. In the first half, it was uh, under one point per possession in terms of uh, offensively. And that, that being said, they're still only down one. Uh, and then, you know, starting the second half, started to pick it up offensively. But uh, you were st- they were still giving up some offensive rebounds, some, some sloppy play that let uh, NC State really stay in it a little bit longer than they should even before getting up to six points. Um, and I think we've, we've seen it. We've talked about it uh, for the majority of time. If you're not taking advantage of those lulls uh, when the team can't score and they're not playing, you know, they're not jacked up to, to beat UNC. If you're not extending that lead like they did in Notre Dame at home or Clemson at home, you're going to be in trouble uh, when they do start hitting a few shots and the ball starts, starts rolling. So it was, um, you know, it was definitely, frustrating to watch you you kind of know how it's going to play out when they don't take advantage of those situations and unfortunately we saw it again today and was re-watching that final 10 minutes before we we came back on which was was painful enough but they get down seven and it's around the same time they're up seven early in the year against iowa state and in that you're almost thinking how are they going to let this game go and of course iowa state hits a three they get the momentum here it's just the, the the wheels are off the tracks and and you can't get it can't get them back on so really frustrating just just how this week went and, and how the team played uh i think two of the worst offensive and defensive performances they've had in acc play sherelle we've talked about it before and i should have predicated the show i'm sorry from the top and saying we're not going to spend time today trying to figure out why i think we've talked about that multiple times on this show and I think it's obvious that nobody has answers why, because the Tar Heels still keep doing the same fatal mistakes and losing games in the same way. So I will go ahead and tell everybody that's listening, we're not going to kind of belabor the point of why today, because I, I don't know that that's helpful, nor do we have any answers. That said, Sherelle, it, it seemed like Sean said, it seemed to kind of follow a script where the guys had a couple of good things go for them. And then the second that something doesn't go, it just... They lose control. They lose their minds. Have you seen anything before in your in in your years of watching Carolina basketball uh, that is as predictable negatively as this current, I guess, formula seems to be? Um, no, just just bad teams uh, losing games. Pretty much is the only other thing I can think of that that is this bad, and it's magnified because as we've talked about ad nauseum over the last year, is that this is the most experienced starting five that UNC has ever had. Um, Kim Palm has a feature where it breaks it down into quarters as opposed to halves. And I, I would urge, urge anyone with a subscription to just go look at UNC's uh, scores in what is the fourth quarter of the game uh, in, in those losses. It's it's not great. And it's really surprising considering, you know, the veteran presence that they have on the team. 
Um, it was funny, Sean mentioned the Iowa State game, and I'm just a, a glutton for punishment right now. But, uh, you know, as Iowa State was hitting those threes, UNC had a field goal go wide left in overtime. Uh, so it kind of brings you full circle all the way back to that mind-numbing game, brings you all the way back. So it's just been it's been a rough few months for this UNC basketball team. Um, this episode it, of the Coast to Coast podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Drinking Bleach. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's um, just, where you just took me, that's, that's painful, but go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, it's there's really no rhyme or reason other than you know that it, it's hard to trust them when they get a lead. Um, Sean has talked about all season how the eight and ten point leads um, with a with a, you know, let's say a good Carolina team or a better than average Carolina team. Those leads are usually 16 and 18. So when the team does go on their inevitable run, you know, Carolina still has a four point lead or a six-point lead as opposed to being down by four or being down by six. Um, so that's a huge deal. Um, it's surprising, too, because if you look at the two NC State games today, Jacoby and Smith didn't hurt them that much. I mean, Leakey did a, a, a I don't want to say, I don't overstate it and say amazing, but a really good job defensively. I think in the two games, Smith is like 10 of 27 or 10 of 28 from the field. Um, so they, they took out their best player, um, and it's like it still didn't work. And I, I don't know, man. I like everybody else, there's there's not a lot of answers here. Um, we get accused of, of giving kind of shallow uh, commentary, but what else is there? I mean, there's Hebert Davis can't give you an answer about what's going on. Yeah. Armando Baycott can't give you an answer about going on what's going on. Um, so you just look at the games and poor shooting and and bad play down the stretch or or what plagued this team, you know, this entire season. Well, I think the low hanging fruit that a lot of folks will say is these guys don't care and blah 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 and. And that's fine. You can say those things, but there's nothing, there's nothing that you can use to prove that. I guess is yeah, what we're getting and, at, right? And let let me go there too, Joey. I think that is maybe the most frustrating thing for the fan base at large, is that there have been previous teams where you could say, man, if they just played a little bit harder, if they just dove on the ground a couple of times more. But with this team, I don't think it's an effort thing. I know other people have said that. I, I disagree. They are playing hard. It's just come when it comes down to it, they're just not good enough right now. And that is. That's hard to accept for a lot of people because usually in the absence of, oh, well, they're not doing this schematic thing or this X and O thing right, it always comes back to or just more grit and more effort and more want to. They have all that. They're just not good enough. And that's that's hard for people to to accept. I, I mean, I, I just one, one thing on that. And, and I do feel in terms of them, them playing hard and, you know, I was on the message boards about you know, when do they, they quit? And I think... It was obviously in the last few minutes once the the floodgates were open they weren't coming back from that but i think they they played pretty hard throughout i think we have seen that happen many times before not just in in the hubert era but also in the roy williams era you know you can go back to the the georgetown game and uh what was it 2007 in the elite eight you know once that ball went rolling downhill but um you know one thing whether it's basketball IQ or, or awareness, which I think goes to transition play. Uh, they did have, you know, two very nice uh, breaks early in the first half that resulted in in dunks, but there are a handful of others where when they're making the nice pass, it's almost even that those are coming in a second too late. So when you don't have, when they're not as open and you're losing that second, um, you know, I, I just felt that there's a lot, there are a lot of transition opportunities early on um, in the second half. It was a second possession uh, with Caleb Love where he passed the puff, but, you know, that should have been a layup. Yeah. Uh, also, Armando missed puff cutting cutting down, didn't pass it. And just those simple things of, of hey, those are sh- 
those could be easy two points with just I think some better situational situational awareness and better um, just passing ability and looking for teammates. And the team did do things differently today. Uh, they did try to push transition a little more in the first half. Uh, they were a little more effective, like Sherelle said, defending and taking away NC State's number one option, but just still can't quite put it all together and can't get consecutive good possessions. Uh, again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about not being able to get more than about a six or seven point lead. When they do, they give it right back where they can't seem to stretch it from six and seven to, to 10 to 12. Cheryl, one of the things that I think a lot of folks have have been mystified with is the continued lack of use of the bench. And in accordance with what he said Friday in his media availability, Hubert Davis did use the bench a little differently today. You saw Puff Johnson get 22 minutes, the same as Pete Nance. And you saw Puff come in a little earlier. You saw the bench come in a little earlier than usual. And then the second half rolls around. North Carolina starts the second half down one. And you see, I don't know that he used anybody in the second half other than Puff Johnson. Jalen Washington played zero minutes today. Uh, I said on Inside Carolina Live on Saturday that I feel like, you know, for the future, he should be playing a minimum of 20 minutes a game as long as his body can handle it. question I ask you, Sherelle, is why at this point is the staff not using the bench more? Uh, and I know we're not trying to figure out why this team isn't playing better. I know I said that a second ago, but why is the staff not using the bench more? What What is it that, that Hubert Davis is, is not seeing from these guys, or what is it that he's afraid of that, that is just keeping him from pulling that trigger? Well, again, all the caveats necessary. We're not in practice. You know, we don't see them, you know, as much as the coaching staff does and all that stuff. But I, I, I would say um, I think Hubert Davis, much like his players, when things get tight, maybe they kind of um, go back to what they know. And what he's known as a head coach so far through basically two seasons is, you know, play his guys, play his starters until they can't play anymore. That's what he did all of last year. And I think when when things get tight, you go back to what's comfortable and that's what's comfortable to him. So I think that's part of it. And that's one of the reasons that you have to, when you hire an, an inexperienced coach, you know, he's got to grow too. And again, I'm not making excuses for him, so please don't take it as that. But that's just the reality of the situation is that he's still new to this. And he, the hope is, I think, moving forward, that in year three and in year four, um, that he learns from what happened in year one and year two and uses the offseason to kind of tweak those things. Um, so I think really that's what it comes down to is comfort and and trust. We always talk about how trust is the currency in which coaches, um, you know, operate. Um, now, whether or not that trust should be there, I think is another question for another day. But just explaining kind of why they do it, I, th I think that's what it is. I mean, RJ Davis played all 40 minutes, if, I, if I'm correct. And um, he didn't have his best game of the season. So, um, but he has more trust uh, from Hubert Davis than the other guard option. So I, I think it's as simple as that. Whether or not, again, whether I'm not assigning value to that, just explaining why I think they're doing what they're doing. Sean, did you see anything today from, from Puff Johnson or um, what limited minutes we saw from Tyler Nickel uh, that made you feel like you know, maybe those guys could earn some more time in the next couple of weeks or is at this point, you know, mail it until next year? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's almost like the, the video game approach where if you're playing video games, you don't want to sub, you don't want to sub anybody out. You just want to let them let them go until they need to <laughs> need to recharge. And I feel that's how UNC is in the second half, where you're just going to ride the starters no matter if if they're not hitting or, or they're hitting. Um, you know, Tyler Nickel, I like to see him get in early. 
you know, he didn't get any shot attempts and, uh, you know, didn't, I'd say, impact the game. But once again, I, I do like how he plays from a basketball IQ perspective and, and moving the ball. Seth Trimble seemed to get get more time, but he, he finally, uh, you know, went to his, his patented pull-up jumper. But, it, you know, once again, I think he is just thinking too much and he you know, he's a step, step slower than what he can be. And I think that is impacting. And then you saw being short on the, on the three pointer, um, as well at the end of, end of the first half, you know, puff, I, I think is, is the, really the only one that, uh, coach Davis has confidence in. I thought he, he came in and, and played well. There, there are a few times where it looked like he wasn't exactly sure on the play or where to be, uh, in, in the first half. And, and that caused, uh, I think they scored on one of them, but that did cause, uh, them to slow up on those possessions. So that's a little, little concerning at this point in time that you're not, um, everybody's not in sync and operating as quickly and efficiently as possible, but he makes things happen. Uh, he's not, not perfect, but I, I do like him and he's, he's, he, he does make things happen. Um, and he has been a little more productive than, than Pete Nance. Um, so would continue to like to see him get minutes, especially for next year. Uh, I think we we're all hoping that he could have, we could have seen that the puff we saw in the championship game last year, not, not as, uh, you know, everyday occurrence, but almost to that, to that level, uh, as he was growing. And then Jalen Washington, you know, didn't, didn't play. I think we all saw what he was capable of in, in UVA obviously has some defensive, uh, issues and strength issues to work through, but, um, he, he needs playing time, I think for, for next year. And, and he offers that wingspan that maybe that could have been, you know, that could have uh, been a little bit more of a deterrent on DJ Burns, even though he's going to back him down. At least he has to deal with that, that longer wingspan. Uh, versus what we're seeing today. Joey, I wanted to add, too, I, I think you start to see it hurt Carolina defensively with the guards playing so many minutes. I mean, part of it is the guards are playing poor defense. That's certainly part of it. But you, you always wonder, like, are they playing so poorly defensively because they know they're going to have to play 38, 39 minutes yeah. and carry the load offensively? Or is it just they're bad defenders? Or is it a combination of the two? It's more than likely a combination of the two. Um, but... I mean, how many times have guards torched UNC this season? Like uh, Joyner did today. I mean, it was, it was just, and I don't, I don't want to say use that word. It was hard to watch. You know, the pick and roll coverage, and and we'll let Adrian and, and Trevor get more into the details on that. Um, but it was just, it was not good. And State was getting for a stretch there, anything they wanted. Um, pull up jump shots, just wide open, easy step in jump shots that you just. You can't let guys who are good shooters get into rhythm like that because it'll come back and bite you, and that's what happened with Joyner. Um, so I guess it's a chicken-egg thing. Uh, is it 38 minutes causing poor defense, or uh, are they poor defenders and playing a thir 38 minutes exacerbates it, or is it a combination? You know, and I don't have the answer to that, but it's pretty clear that that's an issue. Well, I can tell you that you know there aren't many college players that play better defense on the back end of 35-plus minutes in a college game. Um, yeah, just that physically, I don't know that that happens very often. Uh, guys, before we, we take a quick break, I want you to give our listeners something positive. Sherelle, what's something positive our listeners can can look for in the remaining regular season games for this Tar Heel squad? How uh, you like that? How you like that <laughs> grenade dropped into your lap, huh? I see Vin Diesel on TV right now, and I, I want to say something to you because I know how you feel about that, but I'm going to stop. Um, something positive. Leaky Black has played really well the last two games. Mm -hmm. Um and you start to see that a lot with guys whose eligibility is going to be exhausted. You can't really say seniors anymore. 
but you see them, you know, as their senior year or final year starts to end, you see them start to pick it up. Um, I won't give away the stat, but he was so close to a stat I've been tracking for five years now today. He didn't quite get it um, real close, but uh, defensively, you know, he was, he was dynamite on, on Trevian Smith. Um, I thought he was uh, more aggressive passing the ball than he's been. If you look at Adrian's numbers, uh, that's one thing that has definitely hurt UNC um, is that he hasn't been as, as good of a um, facilitator as he was last year. Uh, so I, and he, he had a three, I think. Uh, so He's playing well, um, all things considered. So that's something positive. Sean, same question. Positive is it would be nice if it if it was a home home game coming up, but they've got four four games left in in ACC play. Uh, you know, I think two weeks ago we tried to predict their record, but you know, you, you can look at all four of those games, and there's not one game you're going to say, "Oh, well, they're they're definitely going to win." But at the same time, if they can take care of Notre Dame and Florida State, as tough as that sounds on the road. Uh, they, they do have home games against UVA and Duke. Uh, and I think it, perhaps that could change the narrative somewhat. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if they did not have to win the ACC tournament to get in. Uh, it's probably shaping up like that, which, which uh, you know, in itself is extremely disappointing. <laughs> but Notre Dame, uh, they, they, they lost there last year. Uh, it it really poor defense watching um, them try to guard Notre Dame, but at the same time now Notre Dame uh, bottom 200s in, in defense. So UNC should be able to get shots that they want. Can they hit them is another question. Uh, Armando should have his way down low and they should be able to penetrate. But once again, it's going to come down to mental toughness and, and playing on the road. And I think, you know, the Miami loss is, is one thing. Uh, losing to NC State is another. And, you know, you'll be able to see if, if they've thrown in the towel, uh, I think, going going through that game or if they're still ready to play and, and ready to fight. And hopefully, you know, if you get one win, that gives you confidence. Basketball, is a, especially in college, is a huge game of confidence. So, uh, you know, I think they, you know, it's nice that they're playing Notre Dame versus, you know, going at UVA or at Virginia Tech again. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it's definitely been a frustrating last, last three to four, four weeks, not to mention the entire season. Yeah, I hey, mean, lose, losing five out of six. Go ahead, Cheryl. I, I was going to ask you and uh, Sean a question. So, Nate Lachesky on Wednesday night, <laughs> over or under 22 and a half points? Over. I mean, he he obviously has killed UNC uh, over, over the years, but I'm going to go under on this one. I feel like he plays better at home. I know he, he didn't do very – he didn't do a lot when they played North Carolina earlier this season, but – uh, I'm also he's probably probably do he's probably do exactly yeah. well that's 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 why I'm saying I'm also not in the most the most uh, even keel of minds right now about this squad. Um, I, I lied. I do want to ask one more question before we hit a break. Trell, you mentioned earlier a lot of folks probably want us to just rip into the coaching staff. I, I don't think any of us see that as being productive, but there are things that this coaching staff you know, seem to be kind of grasping at straws right now. I heard a coach today post game that. Seemed like he might be out of answers with this squad. And in late February, when things aren't changing, it would kind of seem that he is indeed out of answers. Uh, with you know, We're not going to go rip on coaches because it's not – I don't know that it gives any insight. It doesn't give any analysis. It might just make people feel better. But I want to get your kind of assessment as to where this coaching staff is and, and where they might be able to go with whatever's left of the year. Yeah, I mean, they have – 
I don't think there's anyone who can say they've done a good job this year. Um, there are various reasons for that. Um, but frankly, it's, it, it, it stops with the head coach. The head coach has to find a way to put his players in the best position to succeed. And um, I don't know that that's always happened this season. They, they've tried, but um, it, it hasn't always happened. And then we talk about kind of doing the same thing over and over again and getting you know poor results. That's not the definition of insanity, but it is not something that you need to do when something's not working and it hasn't worked for you know 15 games, 20 games, then yeah. try something else. And I think that's part of the frustration from that I see from the fan base um, is to kind of seem a, a, a stubbornness or and maybe an unearned stubbornness. I think I'm putting the unearned in like quotations for those who are listening. Um, I think a lot of the fan base feels like that, that he hasn't earned the right to kind of say, this is what I'm doing and, and this is what we're doing. Um, so I think that's, that's part of it. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of blame that goes on the coaching staff. But uh, as I said before, <clears throat> previous podcast, I think this is a collective failure. Um, the coaching staff has not been great. Uh, Hebert Davis has not been great. The players um, outside of really, Armando Baycott for a good stretch and RJ Davis for a stretch have not been great. Um, they're making mistakes that you see um, when they were freshmen, you know, mm -hmm. making kind of the same thing. So there hasn't been that growth. There wasn't growth individually um, from the off season. So I think it's a little bit of, of everything that's caused this kind of system failure for UNC, but the coaches definitely shoulder blame. I don't want anyone to think that um, they don't um, as far as what's left, I, you know, I'm with, coming with you. I, I see no. I don't want to take anyone else's hope away. If if you think they're going to go on this just massive heater where they win four straight in the regular season and four straight in Greensboro and six straight in 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 March, then you know, bless you, good for you. Yeah, That's past, awesome. Past that ish. <laughs> yeah, but I I just don't see it happening. So I think you'll see kind of the same thing these last four regular season games, and they just they're just going to have to hope and. As we said before, hope isn't a strategy, but that's that's kind of where they are right now. If you look at the post games the last couple of weeks, everybody just seems like they're at a loss to mm -hmm. explain this. So um, I think it's just a, a hope and a prayer at this point. Man, I went to church today too. That's uh, <laughs> hoping and praying's. Uh, I'm I'm not even sure that's even reaching. I think I think I think God might have checked out on this squad. <laughs> All right. Um, before we uh before we totally let the national guys pay some bills, I would be remiss if I didn't bring everybody's attention to positivity. Shrill, you know what always makes you feel better? New gear. Uh, yeah, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Shrill, new gear always makes Shrill feel better. For Sean right now, it's probably new gear for a kid that doesn't have spit up all over it. <laughs> Either of those things can be found from our friends at Johnny T-shirt. JohnnyT-shirt.com, East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Baseball started this week. Uh, the Tar Heels. Did not do so well in their opener, but did take two or three to take the series against Seton Hall. I share this because it's baseball season. You're going to be going to the Bosch. Stop by Johnny T-shirt, get you some baseball gear, get you a new baseball cap. Uh, I, I, don't, you know, I don't know if you guys have picked this up about me, but I'm a fitted cap guy. Um, and I will be making my springtime stop in Johnny T-shirt before a baseball game here very soon. So hit up Johnny T-shirt. Even if the results on the basketball court are not what you want them to be, the results in Johnny T-shirt's inventory will be far more excessive than even your wildest dreams will be. Uh, as Sherelle continues to look at Dom, we will take a second and allow uh, the national guys to come in here and run some ads. We'll be right back, talk a little bit of recruiting, and maybe, I don't know, liven things up a little bit. Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Thanks for sticking around. Coast to Coast Podcast coming at you. I'm Joey Powell. Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan with me as always. Appreciate him being here. Sean, I want you to give some folks some data from Basketball Without Borders that is taking place this weekend in conjunction with the NBA All-Star Game. Because from what you told me, you saw some things about Elliot Cadeau, a commitment from the 24 class that made you happy. Let's hear about it. Unfortunately, it's been since 2020 in Chicago since I've been able to actually go to a a basketball without borders. But uh, what it is, the NBA will bring in some of the top international prospects, uh, usually ones that they have in their global academies uh, or other ones in the U.S. that that qualify and get them together over All-Star Weekend, uh, testing, scrimmages. It allows all the GMs and scouts uh, that are at All-Star Weekend to, to come by and watch players that will be drafted really over the next one to three years. Uh, in 2020, Josh Giddy was one of the, the top players in attendance. So usually there's a handful of, of top players. Uh, Elliot Cadeau, since he's been playing for the uh, Sweden national team, uh, has the, the Swedish passport, was considered international, and was at the event. Uh, so I, I can't speak to exactly how he played in the scrimmages. I know he got selected for the, the all-star team, uh, but there, it's kind of like the Pac-12 pack, pack uh, in terms of a, a lot of players getting getting that selection. Uh, but in terms of some measurements, so they, they similar to the NBA combine or, or G League combine, uh, Elliot Cadeau had a 10.31 lane agility score. I went back uh, on the NBA combine website and they have data from really 2001 all the way through. And that score at an NBA combine would put him in the top 10. Um, and, I, and it's pretty interesting to see some of those guys that have been in there. Um, it's been a mix of guards and and bigs, but basically it shows your your agility um, and how quickly you're you're moving. So I think Pro Insight uh, had a had a tweet showing, and, and it's pretty <laughs> pretty fascinating to see how fast his feet were moving in that. But ten point three one that would put him top ten all time in the NBA Combine. And then wow. um, from a max vertical, I'm always a little skeptical on those numbers, just in terms of like you can always. I think game it a little bit with your standing reach and things of that nature, but he registered uh 41 and a half um, max vertical, which was highest at the event. Once again, looking at all NBA combine, it's not putting him in the top 10, but it would usually put him, um, you know, ranked number one or two each year. Uh, Kennedy Chandler last year was the top in the NBA combine at 41 and a half. So uh, I think that shows uh, some of that explosion you're seeing in the dunks, but also, uh, from a foot speed perspective, defensively, 
what he can what he can do uh from a from a height weight and and wingspan you know there's nothing to write home about which for unc fans could be positive uh six six foot and a quarter with shoes six two wingspan so he, he's not one of those super lanky athletes that or that you know the, the nba is drooling over the the measurements uh so that one could be one positive in terms of if he is in school for for longer than one season but those are just two uh two testing results that, that came out and, and when looking at them historically were, were pretty impressive. That foot speed, I don't know that I've ever heard anything that high unless it's shrill, like running to buy tickets for an Alicia Keys concert. <laughs> I, that is absurdly quick. Um, well, thanks for sharing that, man. I appreciate the breakdown and appreciate you dumbing it down for folks like, like me that, you know, when you put in perspective of, of other combine measurements, yeah, that does get your attention. Uh, Sherelle, on the recruiting news as well, you know, again, you had a a good little nugget in your scoop this past week that you posted on the Inside Carolina Premium Boards about Jaron Stevenson, who is the last major target right now uh, for the Tar Heels in the 24 class, local kid, uh, you know, power forward. You got some news on him, and I think you used the the big R word when you were writing that uh, that little scoop this past week. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it, you know, in recruiting, there's kind of standard questions that you ask people when you first talk to them. You know, Tell us about your game, self scouting report, all that stuff. And we're going to have to add, are you going to reclassify or are you thinking about reclassifying? Or have you ever thought about reclassifying at one point in your entire life to the series of questions? Because um, even guys that you wouldn't expect are now all talking about, you know, potentially reclassifying. I think part of it is it, the reasons vary for different people. And um, so to your point, Joey, uh, Stevenson kind of, the people we've been talking to for a little while have said that, you know, that was out there. Um, but now it's become kind of more on the record. Someone we talked to said uh, basically all options are on the table when it comes to, to Jaron and staying in 2024, staying in 2023, whatever he decides to do. Personally, I think it would be a mistake for him to to reclass unless he has a kind of two-year plan at wherever, whatever school he goes to. Um, but obviously the, that's their, their decision to make. Um, but when it comes to, uh, you know, all of the reclass stuff, there's so many different variables involved with it um, that it's, it's just hard to know when someone is very serious about it, when someone's considering it, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Stevenson was at the, he let me say, he was scheduled to be at the NC State Games today, um, visiting NC State. Um, and then he's set to go on an official visit to Missouri, I think in the next couple of weeks, I think March 4th, actually. Um, the final weekend of the regular season. Um, all throughout the fall, kind of what we were told was that he was going to take official visits to schools he was very interested in during basketball season to see how, you know, the basketball, how the games were, how the games went, how the campus was, all that good stuff. Um, as far as we know, he's only made it to Georgetown for an official visit, and that was back in the fall. Um, sandwiched in between all that was, I think, a visit to NC State, um, a couple of visits to Virginia and about seven or eight visits to UNC. So UNC still, um, I think, is considered the favorite from a lot of people. But the longer it goes, I think the more questions people have about it. Um, but he's visited UNC a ton. For those who might not know him, um, his mom played at UNC. He's uh, from Pittsburgh. He goes to Seaforth, which is in its second year. Uh, his dad is the coach at Seaforth, and his mom is an assistant coach. So that's kind of where where things stand with him, and we'll we'll see what happens. Um, what we've been told by him and his family was that they wanted to make a decision this summer, 
Uh, so we'll we'll see. But uh, you know what class he's making a decision for, we we won't fully know. I guess for a few months. Well, thanks for that synopsis, sir. I appreciate you kind of laying all those things out. I think it's helpful for people to understand where players like this are going. And again, while the season's going on, it's it's hard to kind of get a lot on these guys except for on their official visits. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that laying things out and resetting expectations and what you've been able to glean most recently is helpful for folks that listen and watch the show. All right, boys, two cents time. Sean, pennies you want to throw in the fountain today before we go home? Yeah, I, I think for me, it was just one of the general frustrations. We were all excited uh, really from the spring and the summer of UNC almost being, being back. Uh, they had a swagger really going into any of the, the high school tournaments and, and AAU tournaments. And now it's almost back to where we were a few years ago as of, as of right now, uh, especially given the question marks on, on next year's team. Obviously there are some good recruits coming in, but uh, you know, really hope that with a number one ranking, they would have been able to kind of stay not number one, but stay in that top 10 to 15 throughout the year. Uh, especially when some of the teams that you're seeing that are currently ranked, in the top 10 or, and, and 15, um, you know, not, they're not, not dead, but I think uh, it, it's not looking good. And, and the ACC tournament is, is going to, they might have to win that to, to get in, which is frustrating because there's only a handful of games where they just haven't, haven't been in it. Um, and that goes to the Bama for overtime to Iowa state, even, even NC state getting up, getting up six uh, and then, then having it fall apart. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what can happen. Uh, but in general, for me, it's kind of the, the longer frustration of how, how things have transpired uh, just over the last 12, you know, 10, 10, 11 months. Shrill, yeah. I'll ask you for the same donation. I'll say you don't have to save your preseason number one as I cover. I know a lot of people like to do that. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Burn I know, that in a fire, yeah, please. Yeah, I know someone's going to get mad, but if you can't laugh, you know, you can't do anything. Um, so, there's that. Uh, so Elliot Cadeau is, um, John talked about him being at Basketball Without Borders in Salt Lake City. He's leaving Salt Lake City and flying straight to Sweden, where he'll be on the national team competing in World Cup qualifiers. So more good experience for him, international experience, playing against grown men uh, that can never hurt. Um, and I, I think that's about it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with recruiting moving forward. Um you know, there's going to be change, so we'll we'll have plenty of time to get into that in the next few weeks. But there's going to be, uh, finally, we've been saying it every year for the last two years. But and and I will say, there's there's been roster turnover the last couple of years. I mean, UNC, even though it doesn't seem like it, they lost three people off of the team last year in uh, Anthony Harris, Dawson Garcia, and Corinne Walton. It doesn't seem like it, but there has been turnover. But I expect a good amount of turnover um, this off season between people going elsewhere, people maybe deciding to pursue professional options and uh, people exhausting eligibility. On that note, the portal opens the day after Selection Sunday, which I believe is March 13th. So that is a key date to look forward to. Like guys will say they're entering the portal, you know, probably next week or, or March 5th, not from UNC, just in general, for, you know, next week, March 5th, March 8th, but it won't officially open and coaches won't be able to officially communicate with players until March 13th. So just keep that date kind of in the back of your head all righty well again i'm thankful for you guys i'm thankful for what you bring to the show uh happy that everyone was able to to be a part of the show tonight thanks for listening if you have not lately uh, make sure you drop us a little review and a rating if you don't like what we're doing let us know um you know we do try to 
communicate and correspond back and forth with folks that do give us uh, feedback. And we want to make sure we're providing the best kind of podcast you guys want to listen to. But either way, we're glad that you were able to download and listen to the show today. Hope that, uh, you know, that the morose discussion topics weren't enough to put you to sleep and weren't enough to make anyone sad, but uh, just bringing it to you as we see it, as we always do at Inside Carolina. But for Sean Moran, for Sherelle McMillan, I want to give a shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring and to John Sigley for producing. I'm just Joey Powell. Thank you guys for being here. We'll talk to you next time on the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Late. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.